So we are back. This is actually a very special episode. You should be honored. This is episode 200 of the Ace of Spade of Podcasts. Yeah. It's been a while. I've been doing this now for a year and a half now, or two and a half years, two and a half years, and it took me two and a half years to get to 200 episodes. So we're finally here. And I think it's a great topic to talk to because as I'm transitioning into more of the coaching realm and also more of the bodybuilding realm as well, and as I dive more into bodybuilding, I think we want to we want to kind of educate the masses on something that's actually a bigger topic that a lot of people don't know about. Um, we're going to dive into safer use in a way um, and go into kind of how to actually program that and how we may like, we're not going to give you exact dosages, but we, we have learned pretty well from good people in the industry that we safely know how to actually increase what you need to increase when, and then how to actually do it properly. Cause a lot of people do not know how to actually do it properly um so trey welcome to welcome to the show um first let's just uh, let's just get some basic basic kind of background on you kind of how you got into the coaching realm and bodybuilding realm and uh yeah we'll go from there oh yeah i started out i actually started training when i was 13 i was a wrestler and had a scholarship for wrestling and then right before signing day i decided to give that up and go straight into bodybuilding um, I actually worked with Chris Edmonds, who runs, I believe, runs John Meadows' Mountain Dog team now. So, like, mm-hmm. that was my first coach at 16 till 20, and then things just continued to morph. So, I started coaching early on, too. I started coaching at 18 for free, um, just other wrestlers from my local area, and then transitioned to bodybuilders after my first show. Um, did my first show natural and then started to do more mentorships, get di- deeper into the darker side of things. And then um, things have went extreme to now it's more on the functional, healthier side. But what I promote now is obviously the safer side of PD use and bodybuilding. But again, that's safer. It's never going to be safe. No matter what we do, it's never going to be safe. Like mm-hmm. um, no matter how many supplements, how many tests we do. So now it's just call it functional. You can just call it functional bodybuilding. It's more say like what I associate with now. Yeah. And I think it all started kind of back in, I mean, if we kind of look at where, why safe use even came into things, it's probably from, you know, those early 2000s where it was just get big, get big, get big, get big. And they were just pushing a ton of, a ton of sauce and a ton of gear. (laughs) Can't believe I just said sauce on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, man. I think it came from like, I mean, things used to be pushed hard. Like if you look at, at the old, like, uh, professional muscle boards and stuff like that or if you go back um on geared up when that was around and dig through the form on their facebook group there's some crazy shit that people used to do i think it came from that and i also came from all the deaths happening um i at least know for me like i had enough health scares that made me pull back um i've always been on the healthier side with my clients but not so much my myself mm-hmm. but i know each time there's a death i pull back a little bit more each time and that just comes a realization like even the healthiest people you never know what's going to happen obviously genetics play a role but i think a mix of the crazy stuff people used to do to now you're seeing more and more dead bodies and i'm sure there's more that goes into that than pds but we won't touch on that i don't want to get in that debate no that's a big that's a big discussion that we probably shouldn't spark into but i kind of want to go into your background journey over how you went from you know this pushing pushing is much hard to getting that realization moment um because i don't think a lot of people understand the consequences of what happens when you do decide to push hard until it's actually too late so kind of want you to go into your story kind of how how it kind of went with you just rising dosages and just going balls to the wall with things and then maybe what health complications kind of came from that and how you had and what was like that realization moment for you yeah so like Basically, first exposure now is drastically different than what it used to be back in, what, 2015 was my first cycle at 20. I was 19 or 20. So uh, back then, it'd be everybody jump on tests and some D-ball. I'll throw doses of this because people aren't going to do this. And everyone knows this is just hypothetical of stuff I've we, done and people did. We, we are 
This is for educational purposes only. Yeah. This is not, or entertainment purposes only. Do not actually go and do this. So yeah. we want to give that before we actually get into this. Yeah, and this is just to like outline it, just so you can see how crazy it can get. And like, there's other people have talked about it, but I'm very honest with it um, in general. And you'll see why things changed. So my first initial cycle is obviously the normal 500 tests and 50 D balls a kickstart. And back then blasting and cruising wasn't a thing. It was, you PCT'd off. But the common PCT everyone would always do would just be Novodex. There wasn't any ACG. There was no Clomid. There was <clears throat> no Morpho test you take during that or after that or anything. Like, none of that was going on. So, did that the first time, second cycle. Usually what it used to be, you'd either go with a DECA or you'd go with an EQ for the second time. So, it ended up being like 500 tests with a D-ball kickstart, then 300 EQ for eight weeks, and then 300 uh, DECA for eight weeks or six weeks, however long took about the second cycle that I realized I wasn't recovering test wise and my test levels were sub 200 at 21. And, uh, around that time, that's when I connected with Austin and we started talking more about like the TRT stuff. Um, at the time when the people I was associating with, they always said you had to come off, but these were the same people I associated with like Dave Palumbo who said, you got to clean out, you got to do this and that. Um, and then that's when I started toying around with, things like GH, insulin, trend here and there, uh, Mastron. Still, it wasn't what it is today of what like you and me will talk about. Um, what ended up happening was I got in a pretty bad car accident in February of 2018. Ended up dying at the scene. They resuscitated me. And then I had a, my long head, my tricep was torn, MCL, MCL my elbow was ruptured. And then had, um, I only got about like 60% use of my hand right now. Um, it took that happening where I started developing like a mental addiction to it and started relying on the drugs. Um, and I think it didn't help with the people I was associating with at the time. And by relying, I mean like only training legs once a week because I couldn't really do anything else and taking a gram of test and a gram of DECA and abusing D-ball. And that was just to keep weight on. Like this is coming from someone that was 120 pounds in college like that was small as shit so like it was one of those things mentally you want to stay on but uh where things got even more extreme was after the car accident i was back training wanted to jump into prep and um this is where i really saw like where maybe some coaches push some things some coaches don't where you go from healthier safer approach like me yourself austin mark things like that to more extreme guys and I just won't say their names. If anybody wants to know those names, they can message me, but I don't want to do it on here. Um, where a prep cycle, for example, then was like 350 tests, 700 trends, 700 masks, 10 I use a GH, 200 Proviron a day, 200 Winstrel a day, 100 Anavar a day, 50 Halo a day. And then you're stacking Letro, Novadex, and Aromadex all at once, which Anyone that knows anything about estrogen knows you don't need that much. And honestly, I don't use any of that with anyone. <clears throat> but took that, doing a post-show rebound. I ended up getting really bad pitted edema. And actually, at that time, my blood glucose shot up to around 300. <laughs> fasted. And yeah, and this was, this was, again, before people were checking insulin levels and anything like that. And insulin was a thing, but it wasn't. Again, things were not how it is now. And that was 2018. So that's four years ago. Um, and then this last show, I knew that was, I was in a pretty bad place in general. And I just wanted to go through with the show. And um, towards the end, I was, it was just like one of those fuck it mentality. I'm just going to take as much as humanly possible. I really don't want to get in the doses, dosages, but I would take what I just said previously, times it by two. And that's not even touching T3 clan or, or synthol or metaform or anything like that. But basically it took after that show when, so that was the Arnold amateur and just things did not go well. I ended up getting a really bad infection. Um, starting four weeks out, I was going into gallbladder failure. <clears throat> I was having jaundice of the eyes, skin and nails. Couldn't keep food down, was throwing up constantly from uh, the bile ducts being bonded up, stuff like that not able to sleep, abusing Valium and Ambium just to get by. And uh, it took getting bloods there to see my insulin levels at the time were 48. Yeah, normal for me, it, me and you is probably six to a two. 
two to yeah, six. Yeah, so, yeah, somewhere around yeah. there. <laughs> so that's more than five times normal. And um, and in order to get blood glucose down, it's taking like 100 IUs of Lantus a day to try to keep that normal. And that was doing constant fasting. So it took something like that where I ended up having those issues. I was having a lot of chest pain. Blood pressure is never issue. Like calcium score was good. Everything was always fine, but it took something like that for that to happen. And then also developing a lot of gut issues that I've been still working on now. But that was probably the worst it got. And I think it took like me having a conversation with Austin uh, one day um, where he said, you just need to get your shit together. You're not going to last any longer. Like I was at that point that my CPAP machine was maxed out. Like it wasn't enough. I think maxed out for my machine was like a 20 on the air pressure. Normally people are maybe like a five or something like that. Um, and mine was maxed out to the 20 and it still wasn't doing anything to breathe. I was just having so many health issues. Um, my narcolepsy was really bad. So I wasn't even able to stay awake to drive or do anything. I'd always have to stay home. And then um, the mental side of things started affecting things as well. So it took something like that and affecting like my personal relationship and everything. I was like, Hey, I got to take a step back and start getting healthier. And then that's where I started to use the approach I've always used with my own clients, which is a safer use model, basically that everyone talks about now. Um, where's the titration method, things like that. We're doing more in depth bloods, which I was someone that never used my own advice. Um, I always use myself as like the test dummy. So yep. I was always going to try stuff with myself. I didn't really care what happened. And um, I'm sure you can relate. I mean, a lot of us that do that type of stuff, we have some sort of mental thing going on, whether it's body dysmorphia. For me, it was severe anxiety and uh, crippling depression where I've been in the psych ward numerous times for trying to commit suicide. Like it, that's one of those things that affects it. And I think it, it, it took my health getting that bad and how bad the dark thoughts were getting to where like you're constantly on edge. It's like, it's time to pull back a little bit. It's time to reevaluate, evaluate some things, maybe hang up competing, start focusing on coaching and start taking some of my own advice. And I think that's where we can kind of go into um, the safer use stuff, unless you have direct questions. Yeah. I actually just wanted to touch on one more. I kind of wanted to touch on the more of the um, your recovery also from this. So how yep. did you go about like changing your lifestyle to actually recover from this? Cause this is like what you said, kind of with your gallbladder, not working, you know, having jaundice, like all these gut health issues, like how did it, and that, and even that like addictive thing of having like so many drugs, like how did you get over that process? Um, and things like that, like, because I know there's probably a lot of people who there might be someone who's listening to this that might have the same issue. So I kind of just wanted to bring this light over how so, you how honestly, you yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, man, there's a lot of people that go through this. They just don't want to talk about it. It's just nothing. A lot of people don't want to talk about depression or being addicted to stuff. Addiction can be anything. It doesn't have to be like a physical addiction. It can be a mental addiction. That's how it was for me. The biggest thing for me in terms of like the drug portion is I just got rid of all of it. I trashed all of it. I, I just knew I couldn't have it in my house anymore. Um, the drug connects that I used to use at the time, they were busted, so no one to reach out to. <clears throat> and I honestly just stopped. It was right when COVID hit. It was literally, when I got bloods, it was right when the whole, not COVID, it was when the whole world shut down. I don't want us to get it. <laughs> we're probably already it right when It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It was right when everything like shut down. So like, I, I need that gave me an excuse to pull back. So I just honestly only trained once or twice a week and backed off. And my biggest thing there is I just need to find some sort of routine sleep, wake cycle and getting back on the health supplements I used to take. So like more for prom, same stuff you do prime calm, um, a good multi and a B complex took, uh, um, things like that. Obviously metformin was in the mix, but the other thing I used to use, and I use a lot of times with my guys with like fasting, and this is not saying, Hey, do the intermittent fasting stuff. This is just something I needed because I was so out of my head and so stressed and body was just so amped up that I just couldn't digest anything. And personally fasting was what was best for me 
to where if I wasn't having digestive distress, that was a win. Um, even I use that now it, it was like better in terms of time as well. So like fasting was a good thing that it started. And then, um, the other thing was like on training days, usually I'm a guy that promotes like only carbs pre and post and that's it. For me, I took a different approach. Anyone that's like more so insulin sensitivity, insulin resistance, like I was having at the time, I would rather just spread the food out evenly. So we had that initial insulin and blood glucose spike. Flatline, same way I would do hormones with doing every other day or everyday shots. I just want small spike. I want to flatline the whole way. And it was doing stuff like that. Um, nailing the health regimen part of it. And then honestly, it was just time from here on out there. Um, everything else is about fixed. Like my insulin levels stay a six or lower now. Um, lipids are, are normal. Well, normal-ish. My HDL doesn't go above a 20 no matter what I do. Before it used to be a two. So there's nothing you can do about that. Um, now the only thing I deal with is um, just shove just shove two thousand milligrams of citrus bergamot AM and PM you'll be good. <laughs> I've tried I've tried that with krill oil it doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> it's genetic we've just determined it's genetic. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. only thing I deal with is uh, just the gut stuff and all of my gut issues it all goes back to stress and inflammation and I'm someone that is go figure. Yeah, mm. I'm someone that I have in order to stay out of my head and get back to those addicting tendencies, I have to stay busy. So that's continuing ed, that's coaching. That's my full-time job. I don't take lunch at my full-time job because if there's a chance that I'm start thinking, it's usually not going to turn out well. I end up becoming my worst enemy. So I'm someone that just stays busy, but what's that do that also stresses me the hell out. So now everything is just based on stress. So the same stuff you'd promote for like gut soft belly breathing, take some deep breaths, relax, go walk and that shit. And of course, like I do like my normal gut protocol I've been doing. Um, Cause I've just got SIBO um, and then a little bit of Giardia, but it's nothing insane. It just goes back to just stress and getting into a routine. But that was basically it. From when you hear that, when you hear those WhatsApp notifications, that's when you, that's when you, that's when you know, that's when you know it's hidden <laughs> when you're just, when you're just, uh, when you're, that's when you're working all the time. No, I, I got the same thing. Honestly, I had a lot of health issues, as most people know, like mental health issues uh, when I was 17. So I have also that kind of personality where I need to be kind of working or I'll be in my head. So I also don't take like a lunch break. Like I'll just, oh. just be eating my meal while working on something, whether it's my own business or whether it's work, like I'll make sure I'm always working on something because if I start to sit down, then I start to get, I start to get more stressed if I'm yeah. just sitting there too. It's like the stuff we enjoy, it's bodybuilding. So we are going to work. Like we both enjoy coaching. I'm sure there's some parts that stress us the hell out. We don't want to do it, but it's part I'm of the process. That, yeah, it's just part of it. So like I'm better off working all the time, trying to get better versus the only other thing I'd go do is sleep and, at that point you're kind of wasting your life away at least it's it's like with anyone that wants to be successful you kind of stress and work now that way you can relax and enjoy life later on that's yeah. just kind of the mindset i have awesome so let's uh let's dig into the safe model use so for most people that don't know um safe model use like you like trey also explained is very much a titration method um it's very safe as it says it's safe um it's starting with lower doses than you actually need but they're progressive over time and then you can come off and not really come off but go back down to like a trt or something like that um so let's even get into let's just start with the first question like why people should just start with and i'm going to put this because people need to know this this is just for our sake uh test only cycles like why do we start there and then progress further um and go into so, and the reasonings behind that and everything. The biggest thing it's it's uh, it's bioidentical to what we have. Like we're already producing it, and honestly, it's the most tested, studied compound in general. Like it's one of those things. Like even MDs are prescribing it, and they it's hard for them to prescribe it. But it's one of those things that's just so safe that we have so much literature on there. That there's very little negatives, and the negatives come with the dose. That's what it all comes with. So like when it comes to like first exposure or anything like that, it's not this blanket statement. It's not like, Hey, Anthony comes to me, get on 
300 milligrams. It's not one of those things. It's always a titration method to a point and we're doing bloods and then we're looking at biofeedback and stuff. So like that's most people's approach. I kind of go the direction of test with a DHT just because, um, and the DHT is not added on until later on. Nope. Yep. It's just not, we'll start with the test. Um, but I find it that most people, um, they can only handle a little bit of tests. Like the dose is obviously dependent on the person. To me, it doesn't depend on the size. I've had clients that are 250 pounds. They can only handle 300 myself. I can handle 500 megs because I don't aromatase for shit that I don't need that. And I honestly can't mess with a lot of the other stuff that I would give a client. So it's not really one of these set doses, but a, a safer approach is just the lower side of things, get bloods and just titrate the dose up. And what I do is I just look out for what um, estrogenic side effects they would have. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to give me, for example, too, right? Like I'm not on anything, but I could tell you when we got blood work, my, my testosterone was a 600 and then my estrogen was like a 44 or something. So I know I aromatized pretty heavily already naturally. So I'm yeah, like, like, that's okay. a good example. And, and like, like the other thing is, is like, People look at the dose and think, oh, I'm taking 100 milligrams. That's that much. Some people, their test levels go through the roof. They just respond really well. I've got a 45-year-old client that takes 100 milligrams, and it's from his doctor. He stays well over 1,000 a th a total tests, and his free test is to the roof. Damn. That's a good example there versus like me, my TRT is a 300, and it still only keeps me around 700 or so. It's just – and it's from same place he gets his – from yeah. we use the same HRT clinic. So like, it's one of those things that truly is person dependent. It's not one of these blanket doses that we used to promote back in the 2000s. It truly is like, give the dose, you pay attention. That's where like the art of coaching comes into play, but also the communication from the client in terms of, hey, this is how I'm feeling. I'm getting this acne, I'm, I'm getting this or that, I'm getting water retention. There's a lot into it, but we're also looking at bloods at the same time. Um, when we're making those adjustments. Yeah, I don't think people understand that aspect too behind the safer use. I think a lot of people just think it's titration, but we're also looking at, I think the good coaches will look at blood work along with it, right? Because yep. we're making sure, hey, maybe we don't need, we don't need, particularly need that much, right? Like you can have, obviously I think with test only, you want to get as high as you possibly can without needing to without actually, without like AI or do anything. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, so, how far realistically can can those cycles, particularly like test only cycles, even go? Um, first exposure. Of, yeah, like like we'll we'll start with first exposure because I think that's going to be most people if they're coming to me. They're well, they probably have done it. They're coaches. Um, but let's just say first exposure. How far can it actually possibly go? Because I don't think because I don't think people realize most people are it used can go to a like, year plus. Most people are most people are so used to. 16 12 weeks week on 12 week, 12, 16 week cycles. But I don't think they realize that this, that this use model has can go even further. Yeah. It, it honestly, like it depends on the person, but I can see first use cycles. They can go 12 plus months easily. I mean, if you think about it, if you start at hundred milligrams, say, let, let's say it's someone like you, like this just be the best example. You're around 600 total. Let's say we do hundred milligrams. It gets you about like a thousand or so. We get bloods after about eight to 12 weeks. Let's go up another 50 to 100 milligrams. I would probably go 50. So now we're at 150. Get blood work again. Blood's good. Now we go up to what, 200, 250, something like that. I base everyone's cycles based on their bloods. If their bloods are good and they're having good biofeedback, within reason. This is not saying if you've been blasting a gram of Primo, we're going to go for a year straight. It's not one of those things. I, I do take that into consideration. But with that said, your bloods and your biomarkers are heavily um, taken into consideration. If I start noticing something off, severely off, or where I'm a little bit worse, and that's where we're going to pull back. But honestly, I mean, I see some first use people a year plus because you have to think about it. Like, it's just tests. It's not like we're throwing in Primo or anything. And you have to think about what sides would you get from testosterone? Probably blood viscosity. Um, usually blood viscosity is for hydration. So let's say we're covering water, electrolytes and everything. What else can we implement? Um, you can implement um, 
Swatson uh, fruit flow, for example, you're going to implement usually an ARB like Telmasartan. That's going to take care of it. If someone doesn't have access to that, you can use IP6, so like a chillator. There's a million different things we can implement to maintain health at the same time and extend that. What else may be off? Maybe lipids, for example. We can implement krill oil, um, citrus bergamot. Uh, berberine can even have effects with lipids. There's a million different things that go on that thing. So that's the other things I'm taking in consideration. So again, it can kind of go forever because it's not one of those things where we're saying, hey, jump on 500 milligrams. Because if you think about it, by the time we get to your top end dose, say someone's top end dose is 300 or 350 or something like that. And we started at 100. Let's say it took us 12, 20 weeks to get to that 300. Now we're finally at the dose that you can handle to have the positives and not have, and maybe start to have a little bit of negatives to where maybe we'd introduce like DIM or calcium to glucurate, um, things like that in there to where we can still probably extend that another 10 weeks or even longer. So it's one of those things that kind of lasts a while before you actually have to tailor it back. And even then, like if someone goes to top end 300, that's a lot of people's TRTs. Like yep. how long can that really go? Yeah, I think... I think it can go quite longer than most people expect because <laughs> yep. you're, because you're thinking, Oh, you're just going slightly, like slightly over TRT can have an, can have a really good effect for a lot of, a lot of bodybuilders in terms of things. Like you don't need the key we're trying to get here is you don't need that much. <laughs> like, yeah. like the doses is that we're giving out here. It's not, it's a, it's a pretty simple subcutaneous shot each, each day. If you really want yeah. anything, <laughs> you could backload these into an insulin needle if you really wanted to, yeah, exactly. um, which makes it, which definitely I think also aids in the fact too. I think a lot of people don't understand that aspect too behind it, um, which is just like the amount of shot and the volume of the shot that you have to take too when it comes down to each week, like how much, when people run 500 meg, I don't think they understand how much, how much that actually is and how much it actually takes to get that into the body. Yeah. Um, and I think it also depends too upon what shots you kind of want to take too, right? Like subcutaneous, like there's more data coming out now with testosterone and subcutaneous shots and uh, rather than just intramuscularly. Uh, so mm -hmm. once you get your take on that, actually, your intramuscular versus sub-Q, are you a fan of using sub-Q? Have you experimented with it in terms of that aspect? I've experienced sub-Q. I don't like it because personally, I just think it burns like a bitch. <laughs> so I, I'm just someone that's not a fan of it. But also... I am a big fan of PEDs having some site-specific growth. Now, I'm sure somebody's going to shit on me and say it doesn't do that. I understand it doesn't do anything, but you do get some slight inflammation, and I am someone that, at least with myself and with clients, if they are fine with it, we will pin site-specific to what they're training to that, that day. And I'm doing that strictly for my muscle connection. And you can't tell me if something slightly, if you have put something there, even if it's L-carnitine, with a little bit of inflammation that you can't feel it a little bit better where it's not going to enhance their training. And that's one of those things that I sure that's probably some bro science stuff, but you can't deny that at all. Like anything we can do to enhance the mind muscle connection and training is a benefit in my book, especially if it's like a weak body part. Well, I think so, there's a reason why there's a reason why delts, I think besides the fact that there's a ton they of round out, there's a ton of androgen receptors there, but yep. I bet there's also a little bit of bro science there that most people are injecting into delts rather than anywhere else. So it just makes sense as to why yeah. they, why they would grow more too. But in terms of like sub Q, like I have a lot of my guys do it. If there's, if it's someone, maybe they aromatize a lot. Maybe we'll go sub Q route. It if it's out, maybe. Yep. And it's going to be just a slower, like slower release in general, a slower metabolization and everything. If it's someone maybe an older person, so if they're 40 or over, I might go that, like, if they want. But I, I know some guys, they will subcue all their stuff. I think that's insane. I would, I only stick with, if someone wants to do sub-Q, I only stick with it, like, if we're cruising or they're running a true TRT and my true TRT is not everyone else's. TRT is not automatically 250 to 300. It's based on their blow work. It's based on how they feel. Me, TRT is 300. I have a client that TRT for him is 100. Like, it's totally based on everything. So, like, from a TRT, like, true HRT or TRT perspective, I think sub-Q is fantastic. Like, I have no issue with that. I personally don't do it. Just, again, I just think it's uncomfortable. Um and also, like, 
the scar tissue buildup in general that you can get from it. Not really a fan of that. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd re- honestly, I'd r- rather develop scar tissue in the muscle, which maybe gonna look a little bit better than scar tissue. <laughs> yeah. subcutaneous. That's just me. I mean, just yeah. Thinking logically. But, yeah. Um, then we, then we take the progression. Then we take the progression steps. So after we look at tests, so you run your first cycle, you can get away with tests for almost a year. Um, most likely you would probably back down. Um, we can get into, we'll kind of get into the benefit of blasted cruise after this, where you'll be able to explain that and what you got to do within cruise phases, what's your main goal and things like that. Um, but let's talk about the progression, the next step progression in cycle, um, in accordance to how you would do it. So, I mean, your, your, your first exposure is a little bit different because you like to do a little DHT with it. Um, so how does your, how does your next step at least go for, for most people? It's, it's the DHT thing. So a master on or a primo, um, ideally I'd go for a primo in terms of like true muscle building effects. Problem is most people either a can't afford primo or B they don't fully trust their source. So that's why I'm a little bit iffy, but it also depends on what they're doing. If it's a strength athlete, I would honestly go with master on cause it's going to have more neurological benefits. Mm-hmm. It's going to benefit their training. So that's maybe something I take into consideration. The other thing I take into consideration Someone like myself, I don't aromatize at all. So with me, I can push my tests up a little bit higher. But when I do introduce a DHT, I honestly have to go with Primo before Masteron. Masteron completely tanks my E2. It completely tanks it regardless. I don't have that issue with Primo. And get from in the past when I would do that as the same source and tested. But that's another thing I take into consideration. I do notice people with Masteron they too, they do tend to tank a little bit more to where I've got to flip a little bit more dominoes, go back and forth to find the right dose. So a DHT, and again, like everyone says, it's the most studied stuff. We have tons of uh, references on it where you can actually push that up pretty high. In the grand scheme of things, in terms of like what issues it maybe cause, it's it is much safer than anything else. Most people would go with something like EQ. Why don't I like EQ? One, if you are someone like that struggles anxiety, not a fan of it because a lot of people do get anxiety. The other thing is some people get the hunger benefits from it. I never did, but I knew some guys in the past when we would mess with it, they did. If I have someone that's a fat that gets fat really easy, that's the last thing I want in their system is something that's making them hungry. The other thing is just the kidney aspect. I am so particular about like, overall health and kidney health specifically that that's the last thing I'd probably throw in anyone's stuff anymore to where I think like a DHT is a safer route. Um, I mean, if you even look at the studies, I believe like Primo, they worked up to like a gram or so on females. Like they worked up a long way. Yeah. Like if a female can handle that easily, a 200 plus male can handle it. No problem. So basically where I go is, okay, we've worked our tests up to the dose they can handle before they aromatize too much. Um, if they, around that time, I'm still probably already going to implement DIM and calcium glucate just to help with the estrogen metabolism thing. Is it needed? Maybe not. Debatable on who you talk to. I am someone that wants to help in terms of estrogen metabolism, mm-hmm. regardless. Again, I, I'm careful with that. So like someone like me, DIM crashes me out, so I don't mess with it. That's where we're going to start adding in the Masteron. And there, we're going to still do the titration thing. We're not going to go straight 300 Primo or Masteron. We're going to go maybe 50 to 100. Then we're going to make those increases. I know some people do weekly increases to work it up. The way I think about it is I would set up a cycle, ideally for around 20 or so weeks, getting bloods around the halfway mark, uh, maybe again towards the end to determine if we can go longer to where – we do tests, work that up the first like six to eight weeks. Then we start introducing the master on tinkering that up every couple of weeks or so. And till we find that dose and that dose, like it depends on the experience. Some yep. people can work up to like two grams total androgen load. At that point, I'm not going to go some 50 increase milligram increase. We can maybe go a hundred a week or something like that. And if you think about someone's super advanced, it's like, 250 plus let's say 350 as their um let's just make a simple math so it says 300 um tests that they can work up to and they usually can maybe work up to two grams total that's 1700 megs of other anabolics they can use to where we can start introducing that 
yeah. and work our way up to where that can kind of extend. So maybe I would go a little bit faster than I would maybe someone like a beginner. Yep. And in terms and things you keep bringing up, it's great. And it's a great thing that you keep bringing up. It's a supplementation along with it, right? Because I think a lot of people, number one, a lot of people won't run blood work when they run these things. We see this very often, me and you, at least with a good amount of coaches, we know blood work with these. Um, In terms of, um, we're looking at supplementation when you, when you do this, this is the all important key, I think, to actually maintaining a healthy physique, healthy in quotes, physique in a blast. Um, so kind of go through, you know, I, I think it's very, there's, there's things that you definitely need to take while you're in, while you're in a cycle. Um, and I think there's things that you have to look at blood work for, but let's dive into what, what do you particularly like to use supplementation wise, at least within, within a blast to aid the person's body with this. Okay. Yeah. So there's three that, well, two technically are not going to count as a supplement. I count them as a health supplement, but they are prescribed. One's ARB, Satomasartan. There's so many benefits. Honestly, I think if you're on TRT, blasting and cruising or anything, this is a year round supplement. Now we may adjust the dosage, like go up and down. Um, Maybe at the end of a prep, you titrate up a little bit more. Um, but telmasartan is one thing I throw in there. One, it helps with left ventricle hypertrophy. It's going to help with blood viscosity. It's going to help um, with visceral fat, which again, that's going to help with insulin resistance. It is PPAR. So similar like GW or cartering, similar effects. So it can help with fat loss and insulin sensitivity from that aspect. It does have renal benefits. I believe it might be neuroprotective as well. So that is one of those things I keep in all the time. Again, the dose depends. So I don't really want to touch on that, but um, that's something I will always keep in. The next one would be like metformin. Again, I'm not using that as a GDA. I'm using it as anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, um, anti-aging. Yeah. It, it does help with the gut microbiome to a point. Um, it's going to help with hepatic sensitivity. Again, don't use it as a GDA. You can't take five grams. It's going to lower your blood glucose. It does not work that way. So it, just stop it with that. It's going to lower true insulin levels. So that's another reason why I'd keep that in there. So that's two I would always keep in there. Uh, the other one would be like L-carnitine. Whether you do liposomal or injectable, tell your preference. I don't, I don't really care. We'd obviously change the dose. Um, should be research on heart health in terms of left ventricle hypertrophy. Yep. I was going to help keep you leaner. It's going to show fatty acids in the mitochondria to be burned. So that is one of those things I like to keep in there just to help keep you a little bit leaner. That's only reason I think that is like a year round thing. I like to keep in regardless. Again, we might titrate the dose around. And so it's never actually had, never benefits. actually had anyone use that before. Like at all. Really? Nope. Yeah. That's my go-to. I mean, a lot, even my natural guys, now that they've got liposomal, I can tell them to do it. Uh, it's it's hard conversation to have with a natural person. Hey, this is legal. Like, don't worry about it, but you got to use a needle. It's just kind of something they don't want to do. Or if like my wife wants to use it like for fat loss phase or something like that, it's kind of an uncomfortable conversation that I wouldn't really push on someone. So liposomal yep. in that aspect. Now, in terms of like true over-the-counter supplementation, I'm going to look at overall organ support. I know me and you agree. Morphoprom would be something that we'd use. I'm pretty sure we can agree on that. Yep. Something that's going to help with, uh, we're going to get something that's going to help with um, lipids. So probably a citrus bergamot, probably some sort of omega, some like krill oil, some like true fish oil. I like cod liver oil personally, because you get like, vitamin E, vitamin I A, keep, vitamin D. Yep. I keep and using I that more and more now. That's that yep. I have, I well, use key to... nutrients for gut lining and gut health in general. So it's one of those things. Like if you look into the research, I believe it was John Berardi from Pre- uh, precision nutrition. He posted a study where I believe it was the U S that vitamin a is out of all the vitamins and nutrients. That is one of the biggest things that most of us are deficient in. So I always say in there, um, what I'll also add is obviously vitamin D. Um, obviously you use like more omega, like where it has vitamin D, vitamin K, and, uh, I believe grapeseed extract as well. Yeah. Yep. And their omegas, since I've been switching over to cod liver oil, maybe I use half and half, but vitamin D obviously for immune health, obviously to, cause you need it for gut health as well. 
bone health and heart health. Um, vitamin K2 is another one. I'm obviously going to stack all those together because they are fat soluble. Um, this is big for like plaque. Other things, I'm going to keep uh, NAC in there. Again, I'm not using it just for the liver stuff. I'm using it more so as a precursor for glutathione to help with detoxification, yep. especially when we are going to be pushing food, pushing compounds and stuff like that. I do want to keep those detoxification pathways going. So something like a NAC or maybe a liposomal glutathione or maybe a um, injectable glutathione. It, it just depends on the person. I, I look yep. at their bloods and based on that. Um, what else? Um, a tutka. That's always something I would keep in there. We didn't touch on it, but I don't really include orals at all with anyone. I don't think it's necessary at all, unless maybe at the end of a prep when we're reducing tests or maybe something to get us through training um, and maintain tissue. But Tutka, I'm using more so digestive support. With the bile. And again, a lot of these, I'm going off of something that's multifaceted. I'm not just saying, hey, I'm going to go for like, let's say like ox bile. Helps with fat digestion, correct? So that's not something I'm really going to go with. Why? Most people don't handle it well. And two, people dose that shit way too much using 250 to 500 milligrams when you only need 50 to 100. I'm going to go with a Tutka because one, you're getting liver health. It's helping with insulin sensitivity. Um, it's also going to help with uh, fat digestion as well. So it's kind of three uh, birds, one stone. Uh, Kidney-wise, again, to be honest with you, I don't really throw anything kidney-wise unless it's needed. I, I just don't think it's necessary. I know some people like to keep nephrogen in there, but I, I, I just don't think it's always needed. I'm also looking at their bloods, and I don't. I know the common thing is I'm gonna use astrologus. I'm someone that only throws that stuff in when it's needed. Maybe uh, neutrophils are tanked or something like that. Maybe we'll throw it in. Maybe if their creatinine is off the scale. But again, yeah. If I'm, I see, that's if I start to specific. see, yeah. If I start to see like like my client. I'll just give an example. His EGFR went from like a 90 something to like a 70 something between blood works. So I was like, okay, let's just put this in. And then we put it in, then it went back up to like a hundred. So it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a case by case. Like for him, I would absolutely keep it in because I don't want, as we go into like, as we're in prep, I don't want him to, yeah. you know, start to shut down in any case. And it just, the stragglers also has multiple benefits with things too especially yep. if you get the clinical dose of four grams with nephrogen absolutely has because yep. ben does things the right way um that's actually probably the best kidney supplement on the market um we'll go against anyone on that one um i i think it has multifaceted approach too with why you use things yep. there so it just doesn't have that benefit but yeah definitely kidney is more so yeah case i by think case. kidney yeah so like even then like like if i see egfr that's all i'm looking at other things as well is their adrenals off? If it is, okay, we know it's not a kidney issue. Did they actually take days off from training and relax? No. Well, that's why your creatinine is all dicked up. Uh, were they actually hydrated? Are they pushing creatine way too much and they should be which throwing off? But the other thing is, I honestly have switched people from uh, just doing creatinine with their EGFR to where we do cystatin C on there as well. And then we go to kidney.org and calculate a new EGFR. And nine times out of 10, at least me personally, I haven't seen anyone have true kidney issues where I have to throw that in. There have been a few cases where their adrenals have been so fucked and their neutrophils have been fucked as well that where I'm like, hey, let's take some nephrogen. Let's add a little bit more astragalus in there as well. That, again, there's way more correlations in bloods and biofeedback than just kidneys. So, again, I think that one in particular is more so specific. Um, other things... I'm going to keep like something like Arjuna in there for maybe lipids. Again, that's in Morphoprom. Um, Ubiquinol, that's in Morphoprom. Morphoprom is literally the best yeah. freaking supplement. Like for the price that it is, it yeah. actually probably market in terms of, you know, actual, actual yeah. use with keeping, with keeping your internals in a good spot. Correct. And like, if I'm as, if someone's like, Hey, what are three supplements to take while blasting? It's going to be Morpho Multi. Um, again, any multi is good. I think Ben does a good job. The biggest thing is he puts the lithium in there to help uptake the B vitamins. So that is one reason I like that. So you got more from multi covering everything. Um, and that's more than multi it's multi mineral and everything. The next one more for mega. So you're covering your, uh, lipids with that. You're covering, uh, your mega's inflammation. You're covering heart health and then more for prom. That's your three right there that I honestly think most people could get by with that where the rest 
it is on their bloods. So if I notice someone needs more, uh, let's say they need more lipid support and maybe blood glucose support. Maybe I'm going to go citrus bergamot. Maybe if I notice they've got a little bit of gut issues here, maybe they, at times they might get gut issues when we're pushing and lipids are a little bit off. Maybe we go something like an Ali Sure or Ali Med. So basically what Ali Max is, but Ali Med's two times the dose. It's 450 mg per capsule. So that yep. might be an example there. Let's say maybe lipids and gut a little bit, maybe insulin sensitivity tends to get off. Maybe we throw in some berberine in there because it's going to be multifaceted there. So like, I think after like using those bare bones supplements of like using the same ingredients are, that are already in there, that I already said, the rest is just specializing as you go. It's kind of just, it totally is by the person. Yeah. Um, All right. On what Let's, you uh... do with that. Let's dive into, we got two more, I got two more topics to kind of discuss with you before going over the safer use. So let's go into kind of the benefit to actually blasting crews versus what was the old method of, you know, blast and then PCT. Um, so if you want to just take this one away, I'll let you, yeah. I'll let you kind of do your thing. So I'll just use me as an example. It's physically impossible to tell whether you're going to recover or not. You just can't tell. It doesn't matter if you do the perfect PCT or not. I've done enough perfect PCT with people that, I have given up on that. I don't think it's use. Now, if somebody's like, hey, fertility matters, then that's a different story. We're not, we can keep ACG in there or fertility matters. We can throw some HMG and HCG when we're trying to get pregnant. That's not something we're really paying attention to. But the biggest thing is it's not guaranteed you're recovered. By the time uh, you realize you're not recovering, that's six to eight weeks that you have now wasted trying to hope that you recovered. And now you're like, oh, shit. I didn't recover. Now I got to jump on TRT. Now you got to build your levels back up. So you essentially have wasted your time. And again, I'm not into the roller coaster shit. I'm just not. Um, but the biggest reason it's just healthier from the point that again, the roller coaster stuff, I would rather a spike and us come to a baseline of what's normal for a male, like, which for me is 600 to 900, give or take. That's a very rough estimate, yep. like total test. That's very normal. And that's not dosage. That's like blood work, total test um, versus doing the rise where you're over two grand, 2000 uh, total tests and you take down to 200 when you PCT. So the biggest thing is you're doing way more damage there than anything. Um, estradiol is getting thrown off. So that's the biggest thing. The other thing is if your goal is physique improvement, bodybuilding, whatever you want to call it, that is the only way, in my opinion, that you are going to maintain your progress, plain and simple. I, I know there's people that say, Hey, you got a PCT you can clear out for eight weeks. No offense. Like, and this isn't to be an asshole by the time you clear out and you get to that, you've done that PCT you've cleared out. Let's say you get to eight weeks. These guys are jumping on cycle again after eight weeks. Well, I'm sorry, dumbass. You're not actually doing anything for your health. You've cleared out. Now your bloods are normal. You actually have to hold that to actually keep your health together like you it's just plain and simple the pct thing makes no sense because plain and simple no one is pcting anymore and the coaches that do promote that again they only clear out for six to eight weeks before they jump back on and that's doing nothing for their health it's like i would much rather someone drop down to a sports cruise a sports athletic cruise as again not true or TRT. That might be a combo of tests and primo tests and mass. Um, maybe it's an older person, maybe tests and a little bit of DECA for additional synovial fluid that might. And I'm talking like 30, 50 milligrams of DECA. That's an example of that with maybe 150 tests. Like that's a very small amount where we can get down to baseline to what is optimal for you to maintain progress but also we can improve your health. And while we're improving your health and getting everything back to normal and holding it, we don't have to worry about you going backwards. It's one of those things like, to me, it doesn't make any sense to where you could take a step back, get your health in check, take that break to where truthfully, anyone that's cruising, right. They honestly are still making progress. Just to think <laughs> about it. Cause you're you back. Hard, to like you lift hard enough. Yeah. yeah. You're back to an optimal male levels like you just are like you can still make progress if you're nailing nutrition training and everything yeah but to me it makes no sense to take that time for levels to get back down and let's say you are someone that is smart enough it's like hey i do have to stay off longer than 
six weeks. It's not as simple as I come off six weeks, my bloods are normal, I'm ready to go. You're just going to go backwards. So each time you're doing a cycle, you've got to catch up. It takes you 10 weeks just to get back there. Now you only got, let's say, 10 more weeks to make progress. Then you're going, the constant up and down shit is what I always prevent. That's doing nothing. That's doing nothing for you health-wise. It's doing nothing for you physique-wise. It's also a mind fuck for a lot of people. Anyone that is does have body dysmorphia, which I would put a lot of money that a majority of us do have body dysmorphia that are oh, in this 100%. sport or in this industry. That's a total mind fuck in general, where to me, the benefits of that outweigh the good. And you're, again, you have to look at what compound we'd usually be using testosterone. It's bioidentical. Like it's by far the safest thing you could be doing. So that's why to me, it's more optimal just with all of that. I mean, I don't know if you agree. Oh, I I agree. I would just want to ask how long do you typically like guys to cruise? I know this depends upon experience yeah. and age, um, but how long do you typically like to have people cruise for? Cause you just said eight weeks. It's just like, you're just getting healthy. So how long do you typically yeah. like to, is it like 12 weeks typically? So I know some, time? what they try to do is like, say they blast over 20 weeks. They like to cruise for like maybe 12 to 20. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest with you and all my clients hate me, they spend more time off than on. Most of them maybe run a cycle a year, a blast a year. And it's just because I do firmly think you can make progress on a TRT. Um, but it also depends on like their life. Like when I do a cruise, essentially let's say we finish their blast in a growth phase. We've got to technically hold that tissue for six to eight weeks for it to actually mature and not worry about us losing it. Yep. I also use that TRT time as a time. Once we've held it, we've tried to recomp a little bit. Um, I also use that as time to fix their gut health or improve it or get back to where they accept nutrients again, improve insulin sensitivity. But I also use it as a mini cut. So let's say it takes about eight weeks to mature, maintain the tissue. Let's say we run another 12, or so 16 week mini cut. And when I say mini cut, I don't mean like this rapid fat loss stuff. I am talking about just slow approach because again, when I use mini cuts, I'm not doing it just to get body fat down. I'm using it as a slingshot method. I want that rebound so that when we come out that new with come out of that diet phase and we're increasing food, it's time to add in compounds where you've, you can really get that positive slingshot effect. So I would say typically for me, it's usually 20 or so weeks i mean i know that's a long time to some but again i really think if if you're doing things right you can accomplish a lot with very little well i think a lot of people don't understand timelines too and it's more so how long how long do you want to be in the sport for (laughs) like the sport isn't like a three-year it's usually for a lot of people it's actually a one and done because they can't handle it very well but for for the people who can it's usually a 10 10 or so year type of endeavor. Like if you truly love it. Um, so you got to think, how do I want to use my years? You think if I get 10, if I get 10 good, good years out of it, rather than like three good years and the rest were shitty because you tried to push too hard rather, yeah. rather take the time to actually grow. Um, yeah. So to me, a one-to-one ratio is a simple yeah. thing. Makes sense. You blast 20 weeks. You're off 20 weeks. Again, what I do take in consideration, if your bloods are still fucked or we still have things that aren't right, be ready to stay on. If life becomes really stressful, I, uh, the guy, uh, well, I won't say his name, but um, I had a guy, we we did a blast, like I would say mo- a little bit of a blast. We Usually if I'm doing a fat loss phase or something, I don't usually push compounds, but we did for this guy's photo shoot. We treated it like a mock prep. Usually I w- we would cruise right after the like a prep per se. Mm-hmm. him his was super extended because he had a kid that's a super stressful event where i'm not gonna dare push something that's gonna cause more inflammation and stress where i know damn well he's not really gonna be able to put his time or at least i wouldn't let someone like that if i have someone no. that's a new parent i'm sorry if you need to stop paying me fine that's fi- your priority is mom or dad like that's your priority is to take care of the kid and give them a good life so that's where like example there we we extend it longer. I've had other guys where maybe they've had candida or SIBO or something like that because maybe post-show they dicked around and was eating a bunch of shit food where the gut lining's already impaired and let's just throw a bunch of junk in there um, that where it does extend a lot longer. So again, it, it does depend, but I do think like simple math for everyone, but like one-to-one, give yep. or say. I wouldn't awesome. say anything shorter than 12 weeks. Yep, 
Um, and then last topic, and I know what you're going to say, so you could probably wrap this one up pretty quickly. Uh, using AIs throughout throughout it to counteract counteract uh, estrogenic effects. <laughs> let's let's just hear. We're gonna go. We're gonna hear a rant to finish this one off. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time I told someone to use AI. Personally, I don't think it's needed. Even in like a prep, it's not needed. Like if you think about it most people are titrating down tests as they're going in or they're increasing Mastron or they've got Primo. There's so many other things we can add in to help with estrogen. We've touched on dim calcium, deglucurate, things like that. It's fucking useless. And what pisses me off is everyone's scared of estrogen. Like I don't understand why I, I assume it's just the gyno shit. I'm sorry. You can get gyno for more things than just estrogen. It's not just your estrogen uh, being up or maybe I'm watery because of estrogen honestly nine times out of ten you're not watery because of estrogen you're water from fat. aldosterone or fat or just a fat fuck <laughs> but like with estrogen there's so many benefits like yeah sex drive and libido igf benefits it's cardioprotective um if you are taking your estrogen in general you are inhibiting muscle growth and fat loss plain and simple like there just makes no fucking sense for it i don't think it's needed and there's other things that we can adjust. You can adjust the ADE ratio with the compounds. If like, let's say someone's here and we're at, let's say we worked up to 300 tests. We've added in Mastron. Maybe they're a little bit estrogenic. One, either their Mastron's fucking fake or truthfully, we just haven't pushed their Mastron up. You can push their Mastron up, say 50 milligrams, pull their test down to 250. There you fix the fucking problem. Now it's not that easy, but that's like simple math where they're at the same grammage per week. But all we've done is reduce aromatizing compound and replace it with a non-aromatized compound to balance that a androgenic to estrogenic uh, ratio. Like, it's really not that hard. And I think everyone just abuses them because, again, they've been taught to abuse them. Everyone said, hey, you, you've got to use Arimidex. You've got to use Aromacin. Um, you've got to use Letro. It's the same thing with the serums. Everyone thinks you use, need Novadex. I'm sorry, but again, you can adjust the cycle to prevent that stuff. If you start noticing a little bit of nipple sensitivity, I understand throwing a little bit of Novadex, I would go more so relaxifin, but if you did go that route, you're doing that just to stop it while you're adjusting everything else. Like you just got to stop with the stupid shit. Like it makes no sense to keep drugs high at a certain point and add in another drug and add in another drug, another drug that does this. Like not only a drug you, that's not going to give you benefit in all reality. Yeah, no direct benefit. Like there's zero direct benefit versus if you just lower your tests and increase your Mastron or just lower your tests in general. Like, oh, damn, you've lost 100 milligrams per week. I can assure you that's not going to stop that much progress. Sorry, you could probably eat a little bit more and train a little bit harder. Or again, we didn't touch, we haven't touched on it. There's other, uh, vectors of growth you've got insulin and gh you've got so much other shit to go off that it's not just anabolics to go off of it's not we're not in the times of the 90s and early 2000s where you have to be at this level to use this compound that does not exist or you have to use this compound all the time or a compound has to be at this dose that's we're not in that time anymore we have enough research showing that but we also have enough um application showing it or experience with our own clients or other coaches showing it where you don't need that shit like yep yeah that's awesome. just my thoughts on it i mean i have the same thoughts so um well i appreciate you coming on the show um yeah. i appreciate you spewing spewing some knowledge um and going over to the safer uses of drugs and peds um people if you heard anything if you take away anything it's probably the supplementation aspect that you probably should that you probably should take away from this podcast out of everything over what you should be running if you see things on blood work. If you don't know how to read your own blood work, you don't know how to interpret it. We're both coaches who are very well versed in actually reading blood work. Um, I at least I'm I coach if I coach one enhanced person, so I don't have the full experience, but you know, I I know how to at least read blood work. So if you need a consultation on that, definitely just hit us up because we'll definitely do our part in making you as healthy as possible um, with things. Um, is there any any last words? Um, where can people find you, uh, Trey, uh, for coaching, anything, Instagram, whatever you want to shout out, uh, especially your podcast. Definitely go shout that one out because I always love. Yeah. So um, 
You can find me on Instagram. It's at beopposite23, or you just search my name. Same thing with Facebook. Um, my link tree is on there as well. Like if you want to reach out for consultation or want to be become a client, my intake forms and everything are on there. Um, in terms of podcasts, so yeah, I did just start a podcast called Over the Edge Podcast. It's with myself and one of my clients and good friends, Wester Duns, um, on Spotify and iTunes. So it's Over the Edge Podcast. So feel free to check that out. Um, we'll be doing one or two episodes a week. I'll have Anthony on here sooner rather than later. But yeah, just reach out there. And then if you want to reach out through email, it's just beopposite23 at gmail.com. Awesome. I'll put all his stuff in, in the show notes, guys. So if you want to reach out to him, you'll be able to find it pretty easily. Um, first off, if you guys did enjoy this episode, definitely share it on Instagram. Tag Trey and I. Um, we really appreciate that you guys listened to it. And if you took anything away from us, definitely message us on Instagram. We love to get some feedback over what you guys want to hear and things like that. Um, if you enjoyed listening to this episode too as well, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave a five-star rating and review both on Apple and Spotify. Um, really helps me get more known as if I've already been doing this now for two and a half years as I said when I started this as I started this episode. So I mean, you know, always more, always more growth to be had here. Um, but I appreciate you coming on, Trey. And uh, thank you for everyone for listening to this episode of the Ace Spader Podcast.